Hi, I'm Rita Savasco, and welcome to our Rooted In podcast. Today, we are rooted in a feeling of place with Blart. Uh, joining me today are Tracy, Claire, and Mora. So, December marks our one-year anniversary, believe it or not, Tracy, <laughs> of our book, Trees in the Forest, Growing Readers and Writers Through Deep Comprehension. So, our big release was in January, but we officially had the book up and running um, <clears throat> to family and friends in December, and it's been a really great year. It has. Um, but there's still so much to say. Our year has focused a lot on expanding on some of these ideas that we touched on in the book Trees in the Forest. And with our big um, mission, getting the annotating literary elements uh, curriculum out. But um, we wanted to come back and, and look at some of the things that are in Trees in the Forest because... Um, when, when I talk to people about it, they're so taken with the beginning of the book and the first couple um, activities, we called them trees, each chapter was called a tree, um, that first tree and second tree, um, that people tended to stop there right. and um, just work on that for a while, which is great. I mean, these are not one and done kinds of thoughts. Yeah, one of the hardest things to do is to get people to slow down, take your time, really enjoy and get to know an activity before you move on. And they're doing that so well, they're not moving on. <laughs> right, right. So one of the things is we realized that maybe we um, want to start talking about the end of the book. So we're going to the very end of the book, which was the sixth tree, which we called A Feeling of Place. And we had used the book Blart to help us um, illustrate the activity that we wanted people to do. Um, so we're going to start talking about that today. And our goal is to talk about that activity. What? Why do we do it? Why is it important to start with something um, simple like Blart, but then going to... Uh, the level of reading that your kids are doing. Uh, so we're going to end with Maura's going to tell a story uh, about the way she used this activity with the book Wonders, which is a movie out right now, so it'd be one you could do with both the book and the movie um, as we go on. So that'll be the end. Does that sound good? So yes. let's start yeah. with Tracy. So Tracy, why did we use Blart for this activity? Well, Blart was a good choice for this because in many ways it's a children's book. It's a wordless children's book. So there are elements of it that are very simplistic. And Blart is a little blob of art and he lives inside the pages of a sketchbook. So a feeling of place is a reference to setting in a story. So Blart's setting is very, very simple. Sometimes it's so simple it's, it can be difficult because it's not at first obvious. You know, where does Blart live? Oh, he lives on a page. So <laughs> there's not a lot to say about his setting, and yet there are ways for kids and adults to connect to both the character and the setting, and what the setting means to the character. So um, the concept of setting is very complex. There's a lot that authors put into it, and there's a lot that readers can get out of it. And we often miss that when we're reading a more complex book. So we start simple so that you can understand some of that complexity. It sounds a little paradoxical, but you need to start simple. 
And one of the things about setting is when we talk to kids about the literary elements, what we tend to do is say, what's the setting? And they label the setting, and then we move on as though there's nothing important about setting. Right. And in reality, um, writers pick settings very carefully. It's their stage. The characters are playing out the plot and the themes in the story on that stage. And um, to ignore the stage, you miss some of what the writer wants you to, to understand. Right, you may be missing book. symbols and motifs in the story as well, another higher concept that you tend to get to a little later with kids. Right. But all of that can be conveyed in the setting. And as I said earlier, a lot of thought goes into it. So very complex ideas, which then, if you start to grasp those, allow you to connect with text in new ways. Right. So, Trace, what, why did we decide, rather than just picking a complicated poem or a complicated book to teach this activity, feeling of place, we decided to have everyone start with this simple story. Um, and what's the advantage of letting kids first engage in this activity with a book like Blart before they move on to another book like, say, Wonder? Well, if you start with a bit, it's very tempting to start wherever your kids are, at whatever reading level they're currently enjoying, and to try to take that apart. But you're probably not going to be as successful if you do that. Because of the very complexity of what you're trying to do, you have to own it first. And to own it, you have to fully grasp all the subtleties of the exercise and then move on to more complex books. Once you own it, you can take this concept anywhere and you really get a lot more out of anything you read because of it. And it's really important, you know, we always talk about no one learns to swim by drowning. You know, that's mm -hmm. a line I say all the time. And so you really want kids to have their first stab at this writing activity, you want it to be highly successful. That's where the learning happens. If it's too complicated, then they're drowning, possibly, and not as much learning happens as, it, you know, if we can start with this more simplistic book like you were talking about. Right. One of the same notions that motivates your bits and pieces of writing. Right. Right. So... Part of what we're doing is like this bits and pieces of a story, too, right, you know? Right. So, so Blart is a bit. It's manageable. We can do it. We can be successful, right? Um, so, and then also, this activity is a bits and pieces of writing activity. Yes, it is. We have three three-minute free writes that we're engaging in with kids. And the way we have it set up, if you have the book, you can look at this, but... We have kids look at, initially, what is the character's world. They have to write for three minutes on the character's world. Now, notice we don't start with, what can you tell me about this character? What is the character's, you know, what are their traits, you know? Right. Um, describe, describe your character. character yes. Tell me about the theme. None of that. We say, talk about the character's world. Yes. And they have to do this bit of writing on the character's world. And so we were um, commenting that what we're really going for is this understanding of the broader human experience 
That's what analytical writing really is. Well, that's and where my we want place, to end up. That's where we want to end up. And what is my place within that broader mm -hmm. human experience, which is how I bring my writer's voice to this. Right, and I'm just thinking about this idea of if, they're, if they have to sit down and do writing on the world of the character, um, that sounds, I feel like to, it sounds like to people who are already at an analytical writing place, that sounds like a very simple thing to do, where it's like, okay, I read a book, and I've been reading books, I understand this, because you're talking about that ownership thing, you've already got it, you've internalized mm -hmm. it, um, but what frequently becomes very apparent when you ask a child to do that is that they have no understanding of setting and no understanding of world. And I've encountered that a couple times where we go to actually talk about, like with Blurt, that something that appears very simple and suddenly they have no ability to actually express where it is that the character is existing. Well, and I was just going to say, what, what this activity really brings about is this kind of awareness of oh, the author is, is placing this particular character in this place, and as I write about it, I've seen this with many of my students, as they start, you know, it first seems, it's kind of hard. What do you mean write about their world, right? Mm -hmm. That seems like that's just what we've been reading about. They kind of haven't really... He's on a page. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if it's blurred, he's on a page. If it's, you know, in a, in a you know, larger novel or whatever, it's like, okay, it's like, you know, space, or it's like, you know, the colonial time period or whatever. They, they kind of like, that's, that's all setting was to them, is sort of a label. But the more they have to write about that world, they start to recognize things about the character that are actually these deeper ideas that we want them to connect to, and then we want them to be able to broaden to uh, a big idea, which, by the way, is theme, right? And theme always is often treated as this kind of like, what's the theme? Can you think of, you know, the main point here? What's the main point? And that is typically something that we have to kind of spend some time writing about and engaging with to help our students kind of get get an idea and writing about a world happens to be a wonderful avenue for starting to kind of happen upon some of these things and it's exactly because it is more concrete exactly so what we need to do one of the things that bothers me is we so often try to get to this deeper level by just asking a bunch asking of questions a question, right and questions can really freeze kids up, freeze kids up mm -hmm. it doesn't free them it freezes them <laughs> and, the and adults too and adults way. too yeah. exactly you know um so it's that uh, same experience I had when I could, you know, draw small. If you just begin with, you need to do this one piece first, then that's a step. And then mm -hmm. you have another step. And what happens is then kids start to loosen up mm -hmm. and they now have a place to put their thoughts. Yeah, and it's using what they know. They can talk about concrete ideas. And the more they write some of those concrete ideas down and explore that, some of them start to become a little abstract. Right. And right. that's where you start to enter into that theme type zone. Right. Yeah. It's like we want the meat, but we have to let them have the skeleton first. Mm -hmm, for sure. So that they have something to put that meat on. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, it's kind of a gross analogy. Yeah, but I like it. I like it's it. disgusting, but I like it. Um yeah, you know, it's it reminds mm, me of the meat. far put side picture of the boneless chicken farm. Right. You know, these chickens <laughs> laying all around. You know, it just doesn't work. There's gotta be a framework. Yeah. You know, and 
And we don't want to just say, tell me about this character. That's so broad. And in the same way, we don't want to immediately take this activity to a book that's too big. Right. Too many things happen in a yeah, novel. Right. There could be multiple settings in a novel. Right. And, and you're going to miss it. If you don't practice it simply and, and small mm -hmm. first, mm -hmm. you're going to miss stuff Completely. in the bigger book. And I've never had anyone of any age reject Blart. They may initially, and you'll talk about this, be like, why are we doing this? But that's that's different. You know, mostly they're kind of relieved. Like, right. okay, I can do this. You want me to talk about this character? It's, it's a he's, little book, yeah. It, he's on a page. Like, that's his stage, right? <laughs> you know, that's, that's it. And they just, like, have something to write. And yeah. then that's where we get started. So we go from that point. So simpler doesn't intimidate. It, it helps kids learn how to begin to get some bones in their writing so they have a place to put the flesh. And that's what we're really going for with this. Right. Um, and, and one of the aspects of Blart that can be helpful for kids to get started analyzing is that there's so much white space available in Blart. He is this little blob of art, and he lives in a giant sketchbook. So all around him is white, which is one of his problems. And there are but no words. There are no words. Yeah. So it's very much an invitation to kids to add to his page yes. and to his life. You know, here's all this room for you to say something about Blart. Right. Right. And Claire um, did, has been doing that with some of her students, uh, which I want you to share. And also the way in which you used our second tree in the book, which is when we talked about in my head on mm -hmm. the page. Mm -hmm. So Blart, because he has blank pages, mm -hmm. we um, went back when we first made Blart, there was an error in the, the printing of the first set of Blart books. And so we have some of those books sitting in our office, and they're the ones the kids write in. And we write right, they write directly on the book. Directly yeah. in the book. I but you that. also can do that with Post-its. And that's yeah. what we did um, in the Trees book with the story, This Is Not My Hat. And that can be applied to Blart as well. So, Claire, why don't you talk a little bit about Blart and what you've been doing? Yeah, um, going back to the white page, or the, what am I saying? The white space on the page. <laughs> There are white pages at the yeah. end, but uh, now the white space on the page, you said it's it's an invitation to a lot of students, which it definitely is, but I also have some students who interpret it a little bit differently, not intentionally, but I guess subconsciously. Like, some students see that as inspiration, they want to add to it, they're like, oh, look at all the space to write and draw and, you know, make more to the story, and some students view it as, oh, thank goodness, it's not distracting. Mm -hmm. Which it's literally visibly, like physically not distracting as well as mentally not distracting because there's one thing to focus on. Unlike, like you said, in a, in a full novel where you have 87,000 things being thrown at you all at once and it, it's just distracting. Multiple the whole thing. characters. Yeah. It's complex. It's complex. Yeah. Um, so my students love the white space for a variety of reasons and frequently they'll switch camps what they sit in like first I liked it because it was inspirational and now I like it because it's not distracting and vice versa where they go back and forth about what they enjoy about it which is kind of cool to see um so there's that where he's standing out he's he's very obvious on the page it's easy to follow what he's doing um and yet it's open to interpretation exactly of what he's doing which helps kids feel like 
there's not just a right answer here. I right. Have to they have something to bring to the right. story. Right. When you were talking, you mentioned earlier about how I we, we don't we read this with all ages, and I've read it with you know a little like a six year old girl. She's in first grade. It's you know this first, and she she interpreted it um, very cutely. <laughs> I guess she thought sweetly. it sweetly. That's a better word for it. Um, she was very cute about it. She thought the book was adorable and that Blart was funny and just kind of this goofy character who was so hapless and he just loved to play and be silly and it was all fine for her and that was great. Uh, and then I read it with a 17 year old high school student. Male. Male, yeah, who, uh, he's a very nice kid and very sweet kid but he also has that, that sarcastic, cynical kind of edge to his humor. As many of our high school male students <laughs> Right, do. right. And females. And, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's really those high school age. Yeah. They like to be snarky. They yes. do, and he definitely loves to be snarky. Um, and his interpretations, he read the book, and when I first gave it to him to read, he kind of gave me this look, like, seriously, we're going to sit down and read a children's book? And I was like, no, 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 just come with me down this journey, it'll be great, I promise. <laughs> and so he kind of went into it with this very sarcastic you know, kind of edgy attitude toward it, and ended up writing more than I've ever seen him write about anything, because he this got is a into student who struggles with yes. writing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he got into kind of making fun of it in this, <laughs> but at the same time he was in it. Like he yeah. was in the story, and he was willing to go down there, even though you know to maintain that level of kind of cool detachedness that he wanted. He's still mocking it at the same time. Um, so his interpretation of it was wildly different than the six-year-old's. <laughs> Why well, you want to tell us what that is? Yeah, I think so it's yeah, a funny story. He uh, he interpreted it as when Blart encounters the blue blob, and then all the little purple blobs come out of it. That those are Blart's children, and then Blart runs away from them because he's running away from responsibility, and he doesn't <laughs> want to pay child support for his little purple children. <laughs> and he goes you know, careening off, and the little purple children follow him, and for years and years they're following him, which is one page in the book, but it's years. <laughs> he expanded the timeline. He did, he completely did. I love it. And the monster that gets drawn behind them is this debt monster <laughs> that is piling up behind them, and eventually it, it becomes so huge that Blart has to come in and, and save them. The yeah, pay off all <laughs> pay of this debt, debt and begrudgingly accept his responsibility of his children. <laughs> Uh, Which, you know, it, I love it. That's and deep. That's deep. It that was deep. Pretty, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what's interesting is, so the way this activity works is first you write about Blart's world, mm -hmm. okay, and you let kids kind of be in that. And then you, the next, it, we're not posing it as a question, we're posing it kind of as an answer. So now for three minutes you're going to write about how is that like, the human world. The whole world, yeah. Yes. And, you know, what's fun about that kind of interpretation is, um, well, in the book I wrote, one boy said to me, um, when I first meet people, I'm, like, kind of afraid of them, and then when I get to know them, I become more comfortable. So at first I'm not really myself, but then, you know, I can be myself after I get to know them. And a lot of people are afraid of new situations. Mm -hmm. And he was able to, um, and that's what we take kids through in this exercise, is getting to the human world, getting to being more introspective. 
How can I relate to this? How's it like my own world, my own self? Right. And that's hard for kids. It is. If you started out just asking that question, how, how are you, how like, are you Blart? like Blart? Yeah. You like, would get nothing. Uh, <laughs> I'm not like Blart. Right? I, li- I live in a sketchbook. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. What I was thinking, though, with your comment about that is that we had talked about this a little bit, that Blart's a very, it's a funny story in a frequently in a more cuter way mm-hmm. and that's not you read it and you're like ha ha like you're not you know this laugh out loud kind of thing but there's this level of humor mm-hmm. with it that I think across all ages most people find um but with somebody who might be a little older like my student who was interpreting it with a little more of that edgy kind of cynical humor um it can help that aspect the humor aspect of it can help uh access that larger world view as well. I mean, humor has been used for, I don't know, as long as we've been around <laughs> and to access like serious conversations. Right. And you know, it's a, it's a great way to do that here too. Like your student talking about not being comfortable meeting new people or being uncomfortable in new situations, but reading that in the book, if you're just looking at the book, it's like, Oh, it's kind of, kind of funny, kind of cute, always oh, angry. Oh, okay. We don't know what's going to happen. And it's a lighthearted conversation. Right. Right. And yet you still you have get gotten depth there. Yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. Right. exactly. Right. Yeah. We were making a joke that um, this activity um, gets you to the inside out world. We were kind of laughing <laughs> like it was the upside down world. We're calling this the inside out world that you're starting in in the story. Mm-hmm. And the goal is making your way out. You right. know? Um, and why would we do that? You know, I mean, I work with kids who are in high school and trying to write these essay papers, and this is the direction. You have to start with an opening hook, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you have to end with the re-hook clincher, right? Yeah. And, you know, it, there are two good ways to help that happen. One is if they can tell a personal story. How am I like this theme that I'm right. about to write? Right. Right. Um, if, you know, they're forbidden to use first person and it all must be in third person, then the personal story becomes more difficult. Um, and then being able to write more about this universal. broader universal idea right. um, is how they need to write in third person. Both ways, the personal story in first person or the universal idea written in third person are both universal ideas. The only right. reason my personal story means anything to anybody else is because... Because others can connect to it. It's yes. a yeah. human experience, right? right? And so if you just say, oh, okay, here, we need an opening hook. How does your theme relate to I was going to say, and by the way, there's your theme, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Right? Then they don't know how to pull to that, right? Mm-hmm. right? But so sometimes we use this activity. I've used this activity to help kids write an introduction. So they're writing on the character, they're mm-hmm. about to write a paper, and or they're ri- they've written the paper, we've now come back to the introduction, they know what their thesis is, and we say, okay, write first about that, about this character. They've kind of done that in the body of the work, right? You know, how is this like the human experience? They write about that a little bit. How is this like you mm-hmm. in your life? They write about that a little bit. Ah, there's something there to use right. for an opening and, book. And personal anecdotes are always very hookish. You know, sure. you're interested in that because sure. it's like a novel. You know, it's like right. it's like reading about this. Well, people you can are most to. interested in other people. Right. It's right. the thing that draws us. And mm-hmm. I'm, I was thinking about too. We always learned with just in general writing that the more relatable 
your writing comes, or more relatable writing comes from more specific detail. That if you're doing something that's a broad subject, where it's like, I, you know, I lost something. It's like, okay, everybody can say, yeah, we've all lost something before, we all know that. And you have a little bit of relation going on. So in terms of like an opening hook, yes, we've all been there. But if you are telling a story about this very specific item that meant a lot to you, that, you know, blah, 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 all the details you there. You looked everywhere. You looked right. everywhere, and for months it's been missing, and, and this is your emotional state because of it. Suddenly, someone reading that, who maybe they didn't lose exactly what you lost, but they're connecting it to the same emotional state, the same, you know, physical things that happen, the same whatever that happens, because of that detail the that detail. happened in there. Right. So if you're accessing Blart's world and the whole world and your world, you're finding those details. Right. And that's the relatability that's happening. And from there, you can then get your hooks and your, and your deep conversations and your, and your full big theme ideas. Right. right. But we do it this step at a time. And mm -hmm. that's what we really map out for you. And then, Claire, you had also said that um, some of your students have been writing the story as they... Yes. say it and yeah. are they writing in the book as well or how are they doing that are they uh, it writing? depends it's kind of one of those I, I like to I always call it writing into the book because mm -hmm. I don't tend to actually write literally on the book though sometimes I certainly have you need one of our extras I do yeah <laughs> um, but we write on post-its and we stick them in there mm -hmm. uh, and this depends on the age of my student but I try to do this actually with with all my ages it just the amount of writing differs right but we will uh, take two different colors and do one color is about the physical, the literal, the concrete. So we're reading the page and we see that, oh, Blart is rolling across the page. So, okay, we might actually just write, Blart is rolling across the page and just stick it right on the page. And it's it feels kind of obvious, like, duh, mm -hmm. that's what he's doing. But it's the bones. It's the bones. We're building a skeleton. Um, and then we'll take the other color and we will write the emotional, the... What's the word I'm looking for? Abstract. Abstract. Um, that, <laughs> Your that, favorite word? My favorite word. Um, and we'll write about kind of answering that why question that happens a lot. So, okay, we get that Blart's rolling across the page. Why? <laughs> why is he doing this? What is it that's What's happening? What's he thinking? What's he yeah. thinking? Yeah, and we do that. What? Yeah, what is, what's the emotion of the character? What's going on in his head? And we're like, oh, he's rolling because he's he's feeling playful, or he's he was bored. Yeah, he's he's pushing his boundaries. Yeah. He's experiencing new life. I don't know. Yeah. And we'll write those those less concrete, those more heart based, less physical based things, and which are harder for kids to write. Well, they're very hard. Yeah. Yes. And often you have to do kind of a lot of back and forth to help them understand this concept with partner writing. Mm -hmm. So that you might say something like he's testing his boundaries, and that helps a child go, oh, yeah, he's being playful. And then, then you can say something kind of on they, what they said, and they say something hitchhiking off of what you said. And that can help. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, even if they've written the concrete, you have to kind of do a little bit more scaffolding, supporting with them with this back-and-forth partner writing, yeah. which we've talked about before, to help model that idea of Absolutely. writing more abstractly. And we will take post-it colors, like you said. Blue is the more concrete. Right. Kids are always choosing the colors, not me. Um, <laughs> you know, and they maybe picked orange to be, you know, what, what is Blart thinking. We will each write a blue one, baby. Mm -hmm. And that's right. another way you can yeah. partner, yeah. you know. Right. Or sometimes... If kids are really having a hard time knowing what abstraction is, we'll start out and I'll say, okay, I will write um, 
what he's thinking. You write what's happening. So I can get them mm -hmm. to get that down. And we might do that for like three pages. And then I'll and say, then okay, this time <laughs> I'm going to write what he's doing and you write what he's thinking. And I've modeled that three good times. The child has been able to be successful. This is especially for the child who's like, I don't really even want to write a mm -hmm. sentence, mm -hmm. let alone I feel like you want me to say something brilliant and I don't want to right. and I don't think I can. But I've let them have something, again, that they can be successful. I'm kind of loosening those writing gears a mm -hmm. little bit. And then by the time they have to say what Blart's thinking, they're feeling a they're little feeling more better. willing and yeah. willing yeah. to risk. So that's another thing you can do. Yeah. And we did that. We also, in that second tree with This Is Not My Hat, we actually did kind of an activity where you get more than one person to write Right. Um, and put it on and just kind of compare the way it, it doesn't have to, there's not one right answer. No, there isn't. Right. That's there so important. Isn't. Yeah, the flexibility of interpretation because a lot of our kids get in this kind of like, oh, you're asking me to do something? I don't know the answer, therefore I can't do it, right? Mm -hmm. There must be one answer, I don't know it. And doing a lot of this kind of supportive type work where they're just like getting really used to putting you know, you're validating a thought that they had and they can put it into words and, hey, guess what? That was fine. That's right. good, mm -hmm. right? Helps them see that, oh, yeah, I can say, you know, she's not necessarily looking for one thing or there might be many things we can mm -hmm. say about this piece mm -hmm. of work. Right. Something uh, that was one of the most brilliant things ever said to me when I was a younger clinician and, and working with kids, I had gone to a workshop and the... Um, and at that time, this was in the 90s, way back when, and everybody was doing these divergent thinking tasks where you'd put something in the middle of the circle and then you'd draw all these sun rays out and you had to think of all these ideas that that one thing made you think of, you know? And so that was the way if someone took a character, you would write the character's name in the middle and then they were supposed to write all these character traits, you know? And I would try to do this with my kids and, and my students who were struggling and they had a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. And this um, presented had said, you know, that's divergent thinking. Divergent thinking is not what we need for writing. In order to elaborate, you have to converge on an idea. We need convergent thinking, not divergent right. thinking. And if you Look at the things that seem to work. You know, when Brave Writer does this, they talk about, you know, funneling the topic. Like, the topic's right. too big. You have to keep funneling down so you have a topic that you really like can... Really specific. Yeah, yeah, you can elaborate on, that you can give details on. You know, if it's too broad, you can't do it. And it happens with a big novel. It's too much. Right. So when we do these three, three-minute free writes... We're helping kids to converge. Right. It is a converging. Even though we say Blart's world, the greater human world, your world, you're really still converging on the same mm -hmm. idea. Yeah, you're expanding what you can say by converging on a single idea. And it's not, it seems almost like it's yeah, oxymoron, right? Yeah, um, you're, you're You're working on being able to say a lot of things deeply about one concept as opposed to saying 12 different things right. all at once, right? right. So it's, it's kind of difficult to understand how to do that, and this is an activity that really helps kids see that and engage in that process. Right, right. So you've been doing this. Yeah. With the book um, Wonder. 
Right, so uh, Wonder by, and I never know how to say the author's last name, R.J. Palaccio, Palaccio, um, is now a movie, and we picked this book because, I picked it with one of my students, um, because it's going to be a movie, and one of our, our goals is to write like a kind of a comparison, you know, I've seen the movie, I've seen the book, talking about interpretations and that type of writing, so it's, it's going to be a paper we write. But while we're reading the book, we're working on getting some depth of understanding, some deep comprehension, talking about theme and character and all those things are very hard for him. And he um, he's one of those students that is now, you know, pretty accurate in his spelling and and so he's comfortable writing sentences, but his sentences um, are really always surface in ideas. He really struggles to go deep in, in, in the ideas he can come up with. Um, so with Wonder, um, it's an interesting book because it has a bunch of different perspectives. So you're with one character for which the first very which is difficult. Common. Yeah, and yeah. a common yeah and um, difficult yeah type of fiction these days. Yeah. Um, so you're with one character for the first fifty pages, you know, and then it switches to a, a new character. And also within within one character's section, you're introduced to a bunch of other characters as well. So there's just like tons of characters. And there, you know, through that can be many different themes and, and universal ideas that are coming out. So we've been using this feeling of place activity that you he engaged with in many smaller things like Blurt With Me first before we did it in a novel. Um to to explore a deeper theme. And so we started by writing about the character and that idea of writing about the world of our main character gave him a really concrete place to start with. He was like, first he started off really surface. He's saying things like, well, they're in Manhattan. And I was like, okay, yep, they live in Manhattan. What else can we say? Um, oh, he's going to a new school. Well, already there, that's like approaching better than they live in New York, right? And, uh, okay, and what about this new school? What is, what is August experiencing, you know, his world? And we were doing some partner writing the first time we did this, so I would write something. So I said something a little bit deeper, like, or something that was very important to his world, which was that this character has a, a facial deformity. And then he started exploring some ideas of, yes, and he is very self-conscious of every, every interaction he has with every person in the school. He said, you know, that idea, and then I made a comment, and then he was getting to this idea of, you know, he just really wants to be normal because he, he wants to have normal interactions with people. He's never experienced like non-awkwardness. So we started to get really deep just by talking about this character's world. And by the way, he's already talking about features and traits of this character by talking, talking about, about his world, world yeah. right? You know, so and, I don't and even theme. need... He's and theme. He's theme. already <laughs> touched on theme, and that was just the first little bubble. Um, we also did this with a character in the book that is a bully to the main character. And I decided, I said, you know, I want to I wanna do something that's a little bit harder because some of these characters seem one-dimensional and there might be more to them. And he seemed like a very concrete character. And I decided we would do some feeling of place to see if we could get some more out of this character. So we started talking about this character Julian's world, who's like being a bully to our main character. And his first sentences are, you know, he's bad. He's mean. He's jerk. You know? And then as we kept writing about all the things we kind of knew about his world and his experience, he started, he, he wrote down, um, I wonder if Julian has any siblings because they might be an influence. And then I, and then I partner wrote a sentence, you know, I kind of want to give Julian some grace because 
um, he might not have, you know, a good home life, or I might have said something like, he's, you know, only in fifth grade and maybe doesn't understand to what extent he's hurting the main character. And, uh, and then he said something like, um, you know, maybe, he, you know, this is all he knows how to do in order to be cool, or something like that. So yeah. suddenly he's, he's, he's taken a one-dimensional idea, this guy is bad, and he has a much broader understanding of what might be going on with a character, nuances of character, and theme, by the way, um, by just talking about his world, you know, and then we started talking about, you know, his own experiences. I kind of did this where I flipped it a little bit. He was working from the inside out, so we did first character, then him, then Universal, um, which works well for him because he struggles with the Universal, so he kind of needed a little bit more writing before we went there. Um, but we've, we've done it both ways. Um, and he's able to touch on bigger themes by the time we get to that because he just was able to write some concrete first, and then as he continues writing about that world, gets more down, and he's gotten a lot of depth out of this book. It's Isn't that great? Awesome. And the thing, you know, if you look at the way Trees in the Forest is organized, um, and it, it almost gets lost a little bit, is the very first tree is really only for the parent. It's mm -hmm. that on the page in my head. And we ask the parent to write interpretive thoughts. But then we say, go through these other activities before you do that activity with, with your, your child, yeah. and we take you through trees, two, three, four, five, six, six. and then <laughs> at the end we say, now go back and do on the page in my head, because think about that, what Maura just described. If she does that kind of writing in the middle of the book, now when he goes back and continues reading, what is he finding in that story mm -hmm. that he would not have found? Before, he's, everything now he's reading that character, he's thinking, is there evidence that there's more going on in I this I was going to say, life? that already happened. You know, oh, he awesome, said, awesome. oh, I'm just so curious now to see if there's something we're going to find out about this character. And he was like wanting to flip ahead. And I was like, no, we're going to continue reading. But then we ended up finding some evidence that we were kind of hitting on something. I, by the way, had never read this book before. I had no idea. This was an idea we hit upon just in doing this exercise. Mm -hmm. And then, and you, you know... And you might have been wrong. Oh, and, we, and I said, I don't know. Maybe he is just a jerk, right? We don't we don't know what, what the kind of depth this character might get. And then he, you know, was immediately able to kind of hit on that and discuss, you know, these deeper ideas. I don't want to give stuff away. When some of those themes started to play out later in the book. Right, so. right. What... I was just thinking uh, what I did with a student is kind of having the opposite in the opposite way where we did a ton of work like annotating literary elements and a lot of writing about a novel um, and then we you know we spent a ton of time on this and did writing from it and did all this great work with it and then right now we're reading through a wordless picture book <laughs> so we did them in the opposite order um, we had done stuff before the novel, but we went back because I thought he would really enjoy this book as just kind of a little, little lighter. A little break. A little break, yeah. yeah. And, but still depth. Right? right, and we read yeah. it the first time we just sat down and read through it together because it's, you know, it's a picture book. It didn't take very long. And we have spent three weeks on it now, I think, and he, every time we go to write a post-it note on a page, he'll look at the page and we'll be talking about it and then he'll flip to the previous page and find all these details and then flip to the following page and find all these details. 
And he's covered, I mean, he's covered this book in post-it notes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> well, and that's that, about, yeah. you know, mile deep, too. Yeah. Like, you've spent three weeks on a, right. on a and children's book. Right, and he's become obsessed with it, and he loves it. And he's so excited for me to, you know, pull it out of my bag. Like, all right, we're going to work on it again. He's, yes. <laughs> I mean, and, right. you know, he's excited to write. Yeah. Right? Which and is, it, yeah, the whole goal here. Well, and so much of writing now is analyzing, you know, the writer's style, mm-hmm. the writer's voice, the writer's whatever. And, you know, I, I think that's a hard thing for kids to write oh gosh, about. Yes. Again, it's something we try to help with in annotating literary elements as you go through the entire program. But look what he's learning mm-hmm. just about the writer's style, how he is adding his own yes. writer's yeah. style. As well, the thing we talk this. about throughout Trees is mm-hmm. that... One of the things as a reader that you yeah. want is to be in relationship with the writer. Right. And everything That's grows out of that. That's what authors want. Yeah. You know, that. yeah. So, you know, this idea of using, you know, it, you can get people to realize a short story might be valuable. It's hard to get people to realize that a picture book can be valuable. Yeah. Right. And by the, that kid's like in high school, too, oh, by yeah. the way. Like right. he's he's early high school age student and he's... Yeah, beside himself about a picture book. <laughs> <laughs> so. There's a lot of depth to some of these picture books. Oh, they're great. this all the time. They're complete miniature works of literature. They're they have a full They are microcosms, yeah. 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 And they have just as deep themes a lot of the times as, as a full piece mm-hmm. of literature. But so. what's great about them is just what Claire said. You can sit down in ten minutes and read a picture book. Right. You're mm-hmm. done. Now you can spend time. Evaluating, analyzing, digging deeper. Yeah, Yeah, right. That's one of the reasons we always choose. It's not just the tracing influence of recognizing (laughs) the great art. Um, You know, I mean, she's right, and and there is a lot to the picture book, but it's a it's a fun way to engage kids and let them be successful. Very non-threatening. Right. Something to remember now that we're in the holiday season. Um, and you may be pulling out some well-known holiday stories mm-hmm. that you're sharing with your kids. A lot of them are picture books, and there could be some writing around that using this <laughs> this uh, activity. It would be really a fun thing to do. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah right. Yeah. So, do start small. Start small in bits and pieces of writing. Start small in terms of picture book, not whole novel. Um, start small in terms of do some of these activities before, you know, expecting this great analysis. Do some of them in partnership before you have them do the yeah. whole thing. Build, build a path yep. and walk it For before sure. you try to, you know, go off on a whole journey. Right. right. Yeah. That's a good one to end with right there. Okay. <laughs> build a path and walk it. Okay. Thanks, ladies. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Rooted In podcast. Be sure to visit our website at rootedinlanguage.com. Follow us on Instagram, like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our blog at twigsblog.com.